0: The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. This is not fair. (laughs) I know. And I'm a crier. And when I cry and try to talk, I sound like... (laughs) Like that. So, I'm praying for my... uh, No emotions right now. If it hasn't been said to you already, uh, if you're a guest here, if you're visiting here, um, we are really glad that you came. Um, I don't know what your situation is or why you're here. If you're looking for a family to belong to, uh, this is a great one. Uh, I don't think you'll find a better one if you're looking just for... uh, uh, maybe exploring your, uh, the Christian faith a little bit. You're kind of sitting in a little bit, trying to hear what uh, we have to say and what it's all about for us. Man, that's um, you're in the right place as well. So, um, a couple of weeks ago, Brett uh, was getting up to preach, and he did really well at like welcoming the guests. He was able to like call out a bunch of people like by name, and uh, I've got some of those people here this morning that I'm able to do. Uh, my future son-in-law, Jake, and my daughter, Abby, they're here this morning. And then my other daughter, Megan, she's here. My mother-in-law is here. And then uh, we have a good friend that uh, grew up with all of our kids in Idabel. He lives in, uh, where do you live now? California. Huh? San Jose. He, he's come to kind of reconnect with uh, a lot of his friends. So I'm able to do that. I can call out people that I know. Uh, I think the second church I ever worked for, I tried to get really good at that. And and what I did was I thought, okay, we're going to have people um, fill out visitor cards at the beginning. Okay, So we get up, hey, welcome, fill out a visitor card, put it in the collection plate or whatever. And then my great idea was to have those collected. And then after the sermon, they would hand those to me and kind of as a last thing, you know... I would welcome each family that visited that filled out a card by name. So I remember one Sunday, I got about three or four cards, and I read one that said, like, the Smith family. I was like, Smith family? And they kind of raised their hand. I go, well, welcome. You know, we're so glad you guys are here. Look down at the next one. Jones family. Jones family. So i glad you guys are here. You're all from wherever, okay? So, you know, really trying to to make an impression. Well, the next card I got said Dover, the Dover family. So I was like, the Dover family. And nobody, nobody like, this is us. I was like, Dover family? You all here? So I looked down. I thought, okay, first name. If you can't get the last name, Ben. (laughs) So here's me, Ben Dover, Ben Dover, Ben Dover. And I had no clue. I was like, well, they're just shy. The Ben Dover family is just shy. So as all good preachers do, my wife and I, after the sermon and after all that, we walk down the middle aisle, which you guys need to work on that a little bit. And you wait at the back to greet everyone as they leave. Uh, so we did that. And Shelly and I, I can still, this is as clear as as I'm standing here, we're standing there praying, Shelly's right here, and Shelly looked over me, she goes, in the prayer, Ben Dover? And I'm like, oh my, and it hit me right then, so if you're not family, uh, I'm not going to try to figure your name out or where you're from, but just know that, man, we're really glad that you're here, um, They invited the B team to preach this morning, Uh, Ben and Brett, they um, deserve a break every now and then, so they asked me to come up and to um, continue in our series of the Psalms, uh, subtitled The Seasons of Life. Now, uh, I'm used to having the little controller in my hand to advance slides, so I've worked out this ingenious method to let Josh know when to advance the slides. And it's similar to your dad when he was here. Do you remember? I think didn't he yell like slide? Okay, <laughs> yeah. So I'll just say Josh, <laughs> and then you'll advance the slide. So okay. Let's. What word can I use to back up? Uh, anyway, yeah, back up. Where are we? Okay, th- this is where this is where this series is coming from. That we're gonna spend. Uh, this summer on, and a guy named Walter Brueggemann um, went through the Psalms, and he tried to characterize, um, you know, what the Psalms were about, kind of why they were written, and what they were really trying to express um, from people who uh, sought after God, who followed God, and um, this guy kind, kind of... Uh, organize the Psalms into three categories. Go ahead, Josh. Um, One is this, and these are the words we've been throwing around um, as we've gone through the series. Um, A season of orientation, a season of disorientation, and a season of reorientation. Now, if you, uh, again, this may be the first time that you're here, so let me try to Uh, get you up to speed of of what it is we're talking about. Uh, As we talk about these seasons, it's more like a a cycle, more like the rhythm of life. And I think uh, Ben and Brett have used uh, that terminology, kind of the rhythm of life. And we all know this. We all experience different seasons in in our life that are really expressed by these three words. We've all experienced a season of uh, disorientation. Because every one of us, and you may be in the middle of one right now, you may be in the middle of a time of of struggle, something wrong has gone on in your life. You have lost a job, you have lost a loved one, your business has failed, your marriage has failed, and you are thrown into this time in your life where you are struggling and you're miserable and... That's called um, this season, or referred to as this season of disorientation. Now, a season of reorientation is when you are kind of delivered out of that season. So when things go bad, things go wrong, you get sick, you have been uh, diagnosed with a disease, you go through chemotherapy, and then you, your body maybe is healed, and the cancer is gone. And so you kind of enter this time of reorientation where uh, it's kind of a, 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 a time of revival or restoration where God kind of restores your life and kind of gives you what you had before. And so that's, that's the disorientation that a lot of us face. That's the reorientation that hopefully we all go through after those times. But the, uh, the assignment I was given this morning was to talk about this season of orientation, or as I'm going to call, just the season of normal. Now, I'm still a little miffed that I was given this category. Hey, Brad, get up and talk about normal. Get up, you know, not talk about, you know, struggles and trials and, you know, being attacked on all sides, that preach is pretty easy. Or, or the reorientation, you know, revival and God, you know, splitting a sea and the children of Israel being delivered through it. Or, you know, healings or whatever. No, I'm given the season of normal. So we're going to do our best to, um, to go through this. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Psalm 91. That's going to be our psalm this morning. And as you think about as you think about this season of normal, I want you just to think about your your life when you're not facing anything major. When when nothing's going wrong, really, you're not facing a sickness. Things are going pretty well at work. Your marriage is pretty strong, and it's just the, uh, you know, kind of the status quo. The you know, you've got it in neutral, kind of just going along, and and things are things are going pretty well. That's that's the season of life that we're going to be talking about this morning. And Psalm 91 is going to, uh, the psalmist is going to express uh, maybe what that season looks like for a follower of God, for a believer. Okay, so let's read this. Uh, Psalm 91, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, But it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, The Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone." You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation." So, as we think about if this is a, a, a psalm of orientation or a psalm of normal uh, i I want to wanna get a little bit deeper into how maybe these three seasons affect our lives. okay um, I think every um, season is characterized by a level a certain level of intensity in our relationship with god now i don 't know if that expresses it well, but we all understand this that during times. Of disorientation when things go bad. I think this is a time when people do what with God? They tend to turn away. Because how could God let something like this happen to me? Or even worse than that, how could God cause something bad to happen to me? And because we we put that on God, then we tend to say, Well, I don't I don't need that in my life. And so we we pull away, we turn away from God. And let me just tell you this, and I've heard lots of, I've heard lots of people blame God for bad things. Um, I've heard lots of believers even say that God caused these bad things to happen to, to be able to do something. Uh, the plane crash with, you know, 250 people on board. Well, God did that. We don't, you know, we can't ask why, but God caused that to, uh, to fulfill a certain purpose. Let me just tell you this. If you're in the time of disorientation, God is not the one doing the evil and wrong in the world and the bad. Okay? Don't put that on God. Now, God may be allowing you to go through it because, let me tell you, when God created this world, he had some rules that he was going to instill in this thing he called creation. One was the rule of free will. We understand that, right? That you get to choose what you believe, what you do. God didn't, God didn't create robots. And the reason why God didn't create robots is because of the other rule, is that love, which is probably the, the, greatest, <laughs> the greatest thing God ever created, love has to have free will for it to be love, right? We understand that. That it's not love if you're forced to do something, Love is a choosing. Love is a deciding. And so when we're told to love God, that is something that God wants us to decide to do. Not that we're forced to do. Not that we've been programmed to do. So when bad things happen, God has put us in a world that we're looking at consequences. We're looking at consequences of choice. And we're looking at consequences of when love doesn't reign. And he's going to let us live in that because that's that's kind of the rules. And we understand that with our kids, right? We understand that that, um, bad things are going to happen to our kids. Do we want that for them? No, we don't want it. Can we prevent everything bad from happening to our kids? No. I guess we could if you, like, bubble-wrapped them and kept them in a room for their whole life. Maybe you could prevent bad things from happening, but even then, something's going to go wrong. So this idea that, that if anything bad happened, uh, God caused it, God is, is not causing it. We're living in a world that's broken, that's fallen, and there are things that happen. There are consequences. But God's promises, we're going to see here, are going to um, help us endure and deal with it, okay? So, when people turn away from God, it's usually during those times of disorientation or struggle when things go bad. Now, the reorientation is usually a time when people, like, recommit to God and they, like, turn to God. Because when we see somebody healed of a disease or we see, you know, somebody's, you know, marriage being fixed or something good happen or, you know, you see your football team get a number one draft pick, it's like, God's great! You know, God gave us... Whoever is, you know, your team and whoever is going to be the savior of, of your sports team, you know, people tend to, to really give attention to God. So there are times when people tend to turn away from God. There are times when people tend to um, really embrace God and look to God. Uh, I'm convinced the season of orientation or the normal times... Or maybe when people are just the most neutral. And we kind of understand that too. We, we probably have experienced it. Um, you may notice that in your prayer life. How often do you pray? Well, in a normal season, just when nothing's going on, nothing bad, you probably maybe don't pray very often. But when something hits, when something comes, what do we do? Man, we kick up the, we kick up the prayers because we need God. That's when we turn to Him, uh, or when we, when, we, when we need Him the most and we're begging for Him to make things right. Um, so this season of, of normalcy may be uh, when people are most neutral about God. Go ahead, Josh, change this one. Sorry I'm not keeping track with you. Okay. Um, here's why I think this may be the most critical time of our lives not when things go bad not when things are all restored and we re uh, revival but normal times or times of orientation are the most critical times in life of a believer for what you are and become during this season will affect how you handle the next now going back to sports analogy you can ask anybody any serious sports person Fighters like boxers, football, whatever, they will say that a fight is won or lost when in the off season in training camp, okay the way they prepare the way they get their body conditioned is going to determine how well they perform on the actual field of play okay so I put to you this morning, that the normal times, the times when we're just cruising through life and everything's going well, um, it may be the most critical time of your life. Because what you, what you develop, what you become, what you are during that time is going to affect when that next season comes along. Are you guys, go ahead, Josh. are you, are you guys familiar with this uh, principle called the if-then principle? Okay, some are, some aren't. You guys are, uh, are familiar with, like, either or or both and. Is that familiar to some of you? Either or is, uh, and, and the both and principles are kind of like, I've, I came across them in dealing with, like, church leadership. And an either or way of thinking is, is very narrow. And it's like there's only one thing that can be right. It's either this or it's that. Both can't be right. Okay, And many of us have been guilty of having that kind of laser-pointed thinking um, in our faith, maybe growing up, or, or the churches we were raised in that, listen, there can't be like multiple ways, there can't be like two people, right? It's either that think different things, it's either this or it's that, it can't be both. Now, the both and thinking is, no, let's try to find something good, Let's try to see value in both sides of a situation. That maybe you can believe this and I can believe something different, and then we can both be okay. Okay? So, either or, both and is kind of a, a way to categorize uh, approaches to leading people, to functioning as a church. And uh, let me tell you, the both and principle <laughs> is really the one where uh, if churches can embrace that, they, they begin to thrive. Okay? But it's this if-then principle that uh, I want to. I think will illustrate this idea of um, what we do now is going to affect uh, what happens later. Uh, I, just, I don't know anything about this. I just picked this up off of the Internet, okay? So you guys don't think I'm some kind of genius. But this is a programming thing, and I've got a couple of programmers right over here that will probably tell me this is true or not. But in programming, this if-then principle... Uh, it's called a control flow statement it tells your program to execute a certain section of code only if a certain set of parameters have been met okay so a programs written it's gonna do something well it's gonna check that if this is done and this is done and this is done if all three of those things have been met then this particular order or code is gonna be or command is gonna be given to do something so you know like packaging cookies, okay? A computer is going to control a machine that there's going to be cookies and there's going to be packaging. And so it comes through and it puts the cookies in the package and it's going to wrap it in plastic and then it's going to seal that thing. And then as, as it gets to the end, if all of those things have been done, if it's been put in, if it's been wrapped, if it's been sealed, all of that, then it's going to be kicked into the, the line to go, you know, and be shipped out for people to eat. So that's the if-then. If these things have happened, then this thing is going to happen or is going to be true, okay? Now, that's the if-then principle. Let me me try to navigate this carefully. The if-then principle is true as a believer in God, that if we do certain things, if we become certain things in our hearts, in our lives, then God is going to respond in a certain way. Okay? And if we don't do these things, then God is not going to respond in a certain way. Now, the reason why that's a little bit dangerous to talk about is that we, we have this concept, or that people have this concept, that if I'm going to come to God, I'm going to have to get everything right. You know, if I'm going to be saved, if I'm going to enter the kingdom, if I'm going to become a part of of the church, uh, I've got to take care of all this stuff in my life, and if I get all that stuff straight, if I get all this sin out of my life, if I straighten up, then God will accept me. And that's not what we're talking about here, okay? We're not talking about coming into the kingdom. We're not talking about being accepted by God as a follower, okay? Okay? God handles the accepting. God washes you. God cleanses you. God saves you. God brings you into his kingdom. And it's not based on the kind of person you are or, or the bad things that you've done in your life, okay? So I want you to understand I'm not talking about that right now, okay? But the Psalms especially and other places definitely support this idea of if you do this over here, you will get this specific result, okay? Now, one of them is the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to come back to Psalm 91 in just a second. But I want you to turn, if, you, if you're there, or if you have your Bible, to Matthew uh, 13. Now, you remember the, the parable? The parable is the story Jesus told to try to illustrate something. And so one story he tells is of this farmer. He's out sowing seed. So he's casting seed, and some seed falls on the path. you remember and then some seed falls where? Help me out. Some seed falls in like rocky soil. Some seed falls on thorny soil. And some seed falls on good soil. Okay. So that story is told. And then the disciples are like, what are you talking about? This, this makes no sense to me. And so Jesus explains, and this is what he says. Uh, Matthew 13, verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So how your heart is prepared will determine how you accept the implanted Word of God in your heart so if your heart is this way then you will respond to the Word of God this way And that's what Jesus is saying here okay so if your heart is hard like the seed f- that fell on the path what's gonna happen it's just going to be snatched away. It can't take root. It can't grow. The Word of God cannot enter your heart if, if your heart is hard. What about uh, the rocky? If your, if your heart is, is likened to this rocky soil, well, there's no root. There's no depth to it. And so if, if your heart is shallow and full of rocks, then the seed that is planted is going to do what? It'll grow a little bit, and then it's going to fade away because there's no root system thorny soil what's going to happen the worries of the world the deceitfulness of riches are going to come in and if your heart is that way that word is going to be choked out it's going to be suffocated and your faith is going to die and then the last one of course is the good soil okay if your heart is pure if your heart is good if your heart is tender the word of god can come in take root and grow and produce this crop. So that's that's this if then thing that I'm talking about. If your heart is this way, then this is this is what uh, your life is gonna be like. Now let me ask you this, Josh, change it. What is your season of normal? Now this is where you, you gotta look at yourself. What's your season of normal? What is your what is your life when you're not facing something? When you're not going through some struggle, when you're not coming out and, and having this this euphoric sense of revival and restoration by God when He's done something great for you, but you're just just going through life like you normally would. Wife's okay, marriage is okay, kids are okay, job's okay, you know, church is going along. What does that look like for you in your life? And more importantly, will your normal prepare you for a season of struggle? Now... Let's talk about this season, uh, this normal times from the psalmist. Uh, Psalm 91 that we read. Um, the psalmist says that the normal times are characterized by this. Dwelling in the shelter of the Most High. Resting in the shadow of the Almighty. Seeing God as a refuge and fortress. Trusting in God's goodness and faithfulness. Having hope and rescue from harm. Feeling secure in God's protection. Living with no fear is that your normal? Is your normal mindset of where you feel like you're dwelling uh, in the shelter of the Most High? Or do you think about that, that you're being able to rest in the shadow of the Almighty? Or you see God as this refuge and fortress? The psalmist says, th- this, should be our, this should be our times of normal. This should be where... Uh, where we live, where we dwell. This should be where we are every day in this season of orientation. And he even uses this, uh, this if-then language here in this psalm. If you make the most high your dwelling place, verse 9, he'll, he'll use those exact words. If you love him, if you acknowledge his name, if you call on him, then, next slide, then God says, I'm going to rescue you, I'll protect you, I'll answer you, I'll be with you, I'll deliver and honor you, I'll satisfy you, and I'm going to show you my salvation. So the times of normal are critical. It's not a time to just to sit back. It's not a time to put your faith and your spiritual life on cruise until something comes along. This may be the most critical time of your life when that season of disorientation comes along. So here's my, uh, here's my encouragement to you. Singers, y'all can come on out. Use the normal times as a time of preparation. Because the normal times can prepare you for times of struggle. And God can more easily move you into the times of of restoration now what does that mean for you let me me give you just a couple of examples during your normal times try to develop trust in God Uh, I taught a class several months ago and we talked about this a little bit about what faith really is faith is not just accepting or acknowledging who Jesus is faith is this idea of trusting God and uh, anybody ever, uh, like, ziplined in here? Okay, several. Any, anybody has ever, uh, like, repelled off of a cliff? Okay, more? All right. A lot of repellers. Um, you know what faith is in repelling? Faith is not jumping off that cliff the first time. Did you know that? That's not faith. When, you, when you're all rigged up, and I've never done it. I've just seen it on TV, okay? So, but when you're all, like, rigged up, you're ready to go, and you're kind of leaning out over the side, and then there, there comes a time when you have to, like, go. You have to, like, turn your body weight over to the rope and the equipment and the, the harness and the little, what do you call the little clippy things? Carabiner, carabiner, carabiner whatever you call them. Y'all never know that I haven't done this, right? There, there's a time when you have to turn yourself over to that equipment to, um, to be able to, to do what you love to do. Faith is not jumping. Faith is not going off the side of the cliff. You know when faith happens? Faith happens when in your mind you've made the determination that, you know what, that rope is going to hold me. This harness is going to hold me. I trust this equipment to hold me as I hurtle my body weight off the side of this cliff. That's faith. And that's the kind of faith God is wanting you to come to in your life, is that not you're just busy doing things, but that you get to a point where you trust God. You're ready to throw your life off the cliff because of what he has promised will be on the other side of or at the bottom of that cliff, or what's gonna happen as you go sailing off that, you've trusted God to know that he's gonna be faithful. And so your times of normal need to be a time of developing a trust and faith in God. Can I also say maybe that um, your times of normal need to be uh, developing a sense of thankfulness? And you may think, well, how does that, how, how's that gonna apply to anything? Have you ever gone through a, a series or a season of struggle and your, your ability to be thankful helped get you through it? I've gone through those times. You guys know that uh, I, m- my seasons of life have to do with kidney stones. So my, my orientation is no stone. My disorientation is like laying in an emergency room with pain And then my restoration time is oxycodone. You know what I'm saying? That's my... That's my revival. Oh, yeah. That's going on the internet. Oh, well. But let me tell you, and and this can be said about anything, as you're going through something difficult, if you can learn to find things to be thankful for, It's going to help you go through that time. I was just, the other day, this is is simple. This is easy. And and it's something you can train yourself to do. I was going down Bryant, which our office is on Bryant at work. And so they had all the lanes closed. They were repaving, you know. And I was like, you know, they gave us like six feet of of lane to get a seven-foot car through. You understand what I'm saying? And I started like, good grief this is ridiculous, I have to drive this thing every day and I can't get to where I'm going to go, I'm going to be late and all of this. And then you know what I did? I thought, man, this road's really going to be nice when they're through. And just a simple thing like being thankful for what's going to be the end result of all this difficult stuff that I'm going through, that can help you get through it. It can help you see things in a positive light. And Some of you are saying, listen, I'm no optimist, I'm a realist. You ever said that? I'm a realist? Yeah. You know what a realist are? They're pessimists in denial. That's all that is. Okay, we need to live in the positive. Live in the thankful. Because thankfulness can get you through some of the darkest times. And then may I say just one more thing, and these really things aren't like linked together. I've noticed this, if you can develop in your times of normal um, the ability to see value in all people if you can see everyone as being intrinsically valuable to God a creation of God, one who maybe is caught up in sin is caught up in something um, somebody sins against you, somebody runs into you as a a drunk driver. Maybe they, they crash into your car. Maybe you're seriously injured. Maybe they take somebody's life. I know people, and I've talked to people, and I've heard about people, that the only thing that got them through times when somebody does something against you, and you hate them, and you wish evil and ill upon them, is if they could learn to see is that they've learned to see value in that person. This is a creation of God. This is a soul that has been ravaged by sin. And you know what that can release in your own heart during your rough times? It can help you move on. So, use your normal times to get you prepared for the bad times. Because if you can do that, God can more easily move you into the times of revival and restoration. Let's stand together and sing uh, this breathing and, and longing after God.